Thank you for downloading this podcast from BJOG. Over the last 40 years, reproductive medicine has witnessed extraordinary advances from in vitro gamete fertilization, followed by successful in vivo embryo implantation and cryopreservation of surplus embryos for infertility treatment, to pre-implantation genetic testing to avoid the transmission of serious genetic conditions to the offspring, It has also generated intense ethical, social, and scientific debates. As we celebrate 40 years since the birth of the first IVF baby, it's entirely fitting that BJOG dedicates a special issue to reproductive medicine and that Professors Brody and Johnson, two of the pioneers who witnessed the start of IVF, provide a much-needed reflection on the early steps, current challenges, and exciting future prospects of IVF. Perhaps the biggest challenge facing our efforts to improve the success rate of IVF is human biology itself. The average natural fecundity per month between the ages of 20 and 30 years is 23% and declines thereafter due to oocyte depletion and aging. According to the UK Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority 2016 data, the average life birth rate per fresh IVF cycle was 26% and per frozen cycle was 28%, compared with only 14% in 1991. Given that the average age of the IVF patient in the UK in 2016 was 35.5 years, these figures are impressive but equally imply that further increases in the success rate could be harder to achieve. Kemper and colleagues provide an evidence-based interpretation of how IVF treatment ought to be practiced in the next decade to maximize the cumulative success rate per ovarian stimulation cycle while maintaining a strong focus on safety of the mother and baby. The author's proposals are underpinned by the results of multiple recent trials exploring the freeze-all approach to IVF. Bay and colleagues provide evidence of the safety of frozen embryo transfer cycles, at least as far as perinatal outcome is concerned, boosting the wind in the sail of the freeze-all approach. Additionally, the results of Spangmore and colleagues are further proof of the safety of embryo freezing by showing similar academic performance of 15 to 16-year-old adolescents conceived after frozen embryo transfers compared with those conceived after fresh embryo transfers. This study is somewhat hampered by the lack of a control arm of naturally conceived matching population. As Professors Brody and Johnson indicated, research into the safety of IVF techniques must continue. A valid criticism has been that newly developed technologies are rapidly implemented into practice before their efficacy is appropriately proven via clinical trials. In the next decade, as Wilkinson and colleagues advocate, it's paramount to close the gap between clinical practice and good quality evidence. Mascarinas and colleagues study on the use of time-lapse imaging technology for embryo selection and the accompanying debate are certainly steps in the right direction. To facilitate the accumulation of good quality evidence, it's key to use standardized outcome measures for reporting results. 
the systematic review from Smith and colleagues found nearly 200 different measures used for the evaluation of outcomes in prevention and management of miscarriage trials. This is clearly hampering efforts to generate evidence-based guidelines. We hope to see the development of relevant core outcome sets specific to the field of reproductive medicine gaining momentum soon. Should monitoring of IVF pregnancies be any different from that of naturally conceived pregnancies? Fermi and colleagues reviewed over 6 million singleton pregnancies and reported that placental anomalies were twice as prevalent in IVF pregnancies. The underlying mechanisms for such increased occurrence could be related to endometrial receptivity alterations as a result of the supraphysiological estrogen level generated during multifollicular ovarian stimulation or to defective implantation and placentation secondary to subfertility. Likewise, Bay and colleagues report a higher incidence of stillbirth in low-risk singleton pregnancies following fertility treatment than in naturally conceived pregnancies. Will these findings alter the surveillance and management of pregnancies following IVF? Over to our colleagues in the antenatal clinic to decide. There are more than a few diagnostic dilemmas in the field of reproductive medicine, among them unilateral tubal blockage and pregnancy of unknown location. The systematic reviews of Bidewi and colleagues and Bob Diwala and colleagues shed more light on the optimum management of these conditions. The compilation of this reproductive medicine themed issue has been a thoroughly enjoyable experience, but could not have been completed to a high standard without the dedication and skills of the BJOG Reproductive Medicine Scientific Editors, Deputy Editors-in-Chief and Editor-in-Chief. Thank you for listening to this podcast from BJOG. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at BJOG Tweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.